Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Every Thursday, it is Thursday, right? This has been a messed up week where the weather has had an effect and I've had other stuff going on. My wife's out of town. I think it's Thursday. My phone says it's Thursday. Yeah, and you're sitting across from me, so that makes me think it definitely is Thursday. Uh, Joe Chanelli, National Executive Director for AMVETS National Headquarters, joins us every Thursday to talk about the latest and greatest issues that are affecting the veteran community that AMVETS, American Veterans, are focused on. So, Joe, welcome to the show. We just had a guy in here who looked a lot like you. He was also wearing a bunch of ridiculous Marine Corps garb instead of beautiful Navy garb. I don't know why anyone would do that, but it yep. appears at least two people would. You and previous guest, Joe Chanelli. So, uh, it's been a, uh, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, of course, I also noticed on uh, social media, you posted some photos because we just came on the 15-year anniversary of the beginning of the war in Iraq, and you posted some photos of you being on the ground over there in Iraq. So, as you reflect on that 15 years having gone by, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you think back to that time? I can't believe how long ago it was. Yeah. I can't believe that we're still at war. Yep. Uh, we had We've had 10 service members die in Iraq this year, 15 years later. It's pretty amazing how, how long, uh, you know, the forever war, as it's called, uh, uh, you know, it was kind of behind the scenes type of thing. I went over there uh, right after New Year's um, 15 years ago uh, in, in January, and I had been recalled uh, out of the Individual Ready Reserve. I had just spent a year in Afghanistan, got out for about six months, came here to Washington. Uh, I was working... Uh, as a journalist, and got a call from my officer in charge and said, hey, I'm going over to Kuwait for exercise internal look, quote, quote. <laughs> I said, all right, well, great. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun. Hung up the phone. Then I realized what he was saying. So I called him right back. said, if I volunteer to be recalled, volunteer to be involuntarily recalled, he promised I'm not going to get stuck stateside answering phones. I'm going to go over with you. And he, he said yes. And so started the process. Went back over and uh, was over there for the, the build-up, uh, which was under the guise of this exercise. Yeah, and then um, you know, you know, departed. Uh, you know, went through the UN control point uh, 15 years ago. Uh, I think that was Tuesday, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tuesday. There was an argument over whether it was Monday or Tuesday. There's different things on the uh, on the anniversary of the beginning of it. I, what I remember is 15 years ago, I was in indoc class at Naval Air Station Sigonella when it was announced, and then I got pulled out of indoc class. So not quite as uh, not quite as big a deal as being called back from the inactive ready reserve, but I was called out of indoc class and had to come in and do some work. But it, it has been a long time, and and length of time. 
I'm starting to realize and I'm beginning to become one of those old veterans. And part of the thing that helps me realize that is I was talking about you the other day with someone. They were asking about like, you know, who are your regular guests on the show? We said, oh, we have the VSOs in. We have uh, AMVETS, the American Legion, VFW, IAVA, and HillVETS every week. And uh, it was talking about AMVETS. And I said, AMVETS National Executive Director is actually a classmate of mine from the Defense Information School. (laughs) Staff Sergeant Brian Sutton's uh, basic journalism course over there, which was 20 years ago. We classed up in 1998. And I think we graduated right around St. Patrick's Day, so. From that class, yeah. yeah. Well, and then, of course, in the Navy, I had to stay there and do the broadcasting class. So I right. got I was there until uh, June, I think, or something like that. So, yeah, it was, it was 19 years ago that we graduated from the course in, like, 19 and a half years ago that we classed up there. So time, she does move along, and some issues change, and some, some stay Fairly the same. Both types are things that AMVETS is focused on. So, Joe, I want to talk to you about some of the big items that you guys are looking at uh, currently, one of which is the Omnibus. Now, I heard a lot about this yesterday and the day before, a lot of people talking about the Omnibus, which has to do with spending and has to do with programs. What can you tell us about the Omnibus and about how AMVETS is viewing this issue? This is a really big deal for veterans, or it could have been, and it it still should be because the consequences here are that we missed a tremendous opportunity. Uh, for your listeners who don't know, the Omnibus is basically a, a catch-all. It's a big compost pile. If you, yeah, you want, want the real analogy here, um, <laughs> basically everyone can just throw in whatever they want to throw in there, and then it passes all in one single vote. Okay. Um, but the way these things are built out, it's all political, of course. Um, people from each side put in things they want that they think the other side cannot vote against. Um, unless one side doesn't want to pass it. And so what happened here is we've got some stuff in there like money for the border wall. Mm. Um, but we also have money in there for things like school security, um, things in military, uh, the entire military budget, entire defense budget is in there. Uh, and that's all in one thing that also has, like I said, money for school security. So it's, it's kind of a catch all. Right. Well, we in the veterans advocacy community here have been working for quite a while on some really big issues. And right. as we've talked about almost every time I'm on your show, uh, choice, oh, yeah. the community care reform. So that was put in there and that was going to finally, uh, it was really the bill that all the veterans organizations wanted. Um, we really think it's the best one by far. It's the bipartisan one. Um, there's also the big thing we've been saying, the biggest injustice in the veterans world right now and has been for several years now is that post 9-11 veterans, their caregivers are eligible for some really valuable benefits, things that they need. Right. Well, the pre-9-11 veterans, so, and we're talking especially our Vietnam veterans, their caregivers are not eligible for these benefits. Yeah. Well, that was finally going to be fixed in this legislation. Um, and then there was also a uh, assets assessment uh, bill was put in this, and this is where the VA will look at the property and other assets it has and determine through a commission that would include veterans organizations. And over a series of several years, it would go into the next presidential uh, cycle. I mean, into the next administration or into Trump's second, if he was to be reelected. So this is something that's a thought out process. And so that was in there as well. And how to assess these things. And we're talking about small facilities. We're talking about parts of facilities. A lot of times we're talking about barns that aren't being used and things like that. Right. So these three major things, that's going to be a big cost saving. So that would help pay for these other things. So you, you've got these three things. They're all put into the omnibus. These are all things individually we've all been pushing for. 
Well, it gets put in there. Now you have four entities when you talk about Congress, of course, uh, since we're a two-party system here. We have the Republicans in the Senate and the Democrats in the Senate. They both agreed this is the right way to go. Right. And you have the Republicans in the House and the Democrats in the House. Well, the Republicans in the House said this is the way. The Democrats in the House said, no, we're going to block this. Mm. We, we think this goes too far on some things and not far enough on other things, and we're blocking it. Um, and then you have the administration, the White House. The White House said, we support it. Then you have the veterans organizations. And the eight biggest veterans organizations said, we support this. And we all signed one letter and we sent it. This is something we need to get through. We need to fix these injustices. We need to complete this reform we've all been working on for a long time. And by the way, Community Care is about to run out of money again. Yep, May. I mean, we're talking two months from now. Right. Right. Less than that. It's the 22nd of March. We're at the end of March. We're talking a month from now, basically. We're going to run out of money again. So this was going to fix all of that. Yeah. Well, the Democrats don't want to vote. And I I don't usually like to talk party. But the House Democrats do not want to vote for this omnibus. So they don't want, and they're going to vote against it. And they don't want to vote against veterans. Hmm. So they don't want something good for veterans in the omnibus. Well, the omnibus is in all likelihood going to pass because the Democrats don't control either chamber right. of Congress. So it probably will pass, and it needs to pass. Because if it doesn't pass by tomorrow, the government shuts down hmm. again. And so we know how Congress works. Every time we're at a deadline where the government's about to shut down, they pass something at the last minute. Or maybe they miss their deadline by a couple of days. And then they reopen it like 4 a.m. and do it the next day or whatever. That's kind of right. what happened with the last shutdown. Right. We've been through this. Everyone here in Washington has been through this many times now, far too many times. So what's really happened here is this veterans issue has been used as a political football again. And it used to be with funding. Um, several years back, the veterans organizations, we've all come together. We were able to get what's called advanced appropriations through. Right. And so that's why when the government shuts down, we don't have to worry about the VA hospitals or the VA benefits stopping yeah. because that's all funded a year in advance. Well, now they're able to use needed reform. And the crazy thing about this is that we've got the Democrats on the House Veterans Affairs Committee who have advocated for these particular pieces of legislation in recent weeks, not just not just recently, but in recent weeks, they've advocated for this stuff. Yeah. So it's it's clearly a political game right now. It's very disappointing. Um, the minority leader, the ranking uh, of the uh, Veterans House Affairs Committee, the ranking member Tim Walls is running for governor in Minnesota. He wasn't here this week. Uh, he was in Minnesota campaigning. It was very disappointing. Uh, he's been someone who's actually been a great champion for veterans issues. Yeah. And he's actually a retired sergeant major. He's the senior enlisted person to ever serve in Congress. Right. Uh, and it was really disappointing that his leadership was not here in Washington. Uh, he's running, like I said, he's running for governor. So that's where he was. Instead, it was very disappointing. This, this whole thing's been very disappointing because now we're probably looking at summertime. We're probably looking at another patch, another Band-Aid, another emergency spending um, provision to be able to continue so veterans don't lose their care, those who are depending on community care. But overall, this was just a great opportunity that was lost in we're really disappointed in just trying to find a way forward now. Why do you think it is that they basically went against uh, something that could be positive for veterans? That seems to be a political no-no in most cases where you just don't want to be seen as the people who are uh, basically crapping on veterans, doing something that doesn't work out well for veterans, taking a benefit away from veterans. That is uh, a danger for anyone who, who's, who even starts down that road. This one, it looks like they're pretty far down the road and they're pretty committed to it. 
yeah, I hate to say, but this was a a part of Congress putting politics before the veterans, and they they think they can get away with not having to have on their record, not being accused throughout the next, you know, campaign cycle here of voting against veterans issues. Well, this is what they did by yeah. blocking this from going in. There won't be a a roll call vote that has veterans issues on it now here in the next day and a half. And that's what they wanted. But the bottom line is we're going to remember and we're going to hold them accountable. And at this point now, uh, especially the minority side of the veterans um, house veterans affairs committee really uh, owes veterans an explanation on this and the explanations they've been giving so far. And they've been, you know, they're certainly giving, giving their, uh, their statements in the media coverage of this right now. And none of it, uh, you know, holds water, and that's something they're going to have to face here in the next couple months. But unfortunately, while that's a couple months, that's more more time where caregivers are not receiving what they need. What has their explanation been? I mean, you, you say that they're giving us explanations, but what are they giving as their reasoning for going against someone that their 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 fellow Democrats in the Senate are for, as well as the Senate Republicans, the administration, the Republicans in Congress, or in the House of Reps? I should say, what what are they giving as their as their reasoning behind this? So they have a, a talking point in each one of them on caregivers, which since that's the most important, I'll start with that. They say, well, there's no new funding for this. This is making a whole lot of new people eligible for benefit, but there's no new funding. Well, you make the eligibility first. And I agree that this isn't the right way to do it, but this is the way it's done in Washington. You yeah. make them eligible and then you pass a funding resolution. And I, I don't know when, when that side of the, the committee became budget hawks, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the bottom line is that it's, it's not a valid reason to, to block this. And then on um, the, the community care side, they say that this goes too far and it could lead to privatization. While that may be true, um, and believe me, where we as AMVETS and all the veterans organizations, legitimate veterans organizations, were against doing anything that was going to lead to privatization. But this is what we believe is the best bet right now. We do have a, a White House that has an agenda. Um, which every White House does. And we, we think this is something that can meet their needs and we think still can save the VA and continue to uh, improve its infrastructure. It doesn't invest in its infrastructure as much as we'd like, but uh, it, it gets there and it would help veterans. And then on the uh, um, assets review, uh, they complain that it would take uh, some oversight away from Congress. Um, while, that, again, that may also be true, um, we think the commission that they would have to create would have oversight of Congress. And we think it'd be really representative since there would be three national veterans, congressionally chartered veterans service organizations on the commission. It seems uh, when it comes to the funding question, and again, as you said, it may not be the best way to do this, but it's the way that it is done, where no matter what you do, you say, well, there's no funding for this, but we're making more people eligible. Then you could also take the other thing, well, why would we have funding if there's no one eligible for this program, where it can just be kind of one of these catch-22s where you go back and forth. So one or the other has to be done first, and in politics, it's typically you make the people eligible for a program before you you find the money for the program, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In an ideal world, but you'd, you'd put them both together at the same right. time, but that nothing's ideal in Washington. <laughs> and so an unfunded mandate can often be what you need to be able to get that money. Yeah, a big deal. And we're speaking with AMVETS Executive Director Joe Shinelli. And this is, uh, it's just fascinating to hear that Democrats in the Senate, they're good with it. 
Senate Republicans, good with it. Administration, good. House Republicans, good. House Democrats, eh, no, we we disagree with everybody else, which, you know, that's that's their right to do, essentially. But you have kind of, uh, it can kind of look bad on on people. And do you think that this is an issue of trying to stop something that, let's say, the administration, the presidential administration might be able to take credit for? Like, hey, this went through on our watch. Is that what it comes down to? Just wanting to not wanting to give the president anything that can make him look good? Oh, absolutely. I, I believe it is. Um, I, I think it's deeper than that, but that's definitely an aspect of this. Um, this is one of uh, President Trump's top legislative priorities is to get this choice reform through. And it, it's being blocked now. And they're already trying to frame this out as uh, a defeat for the president. And in a way it is, but more importantly, it's a defeat for veterans. Yeah certainly is and that's something that we've had too much of over the years defeats for veterans and things where we discuss what could be great and then we don't do it and then when something again where you have the republicans and the democrats in the senate the administration the republicans in congress all of the major vso's being in agreement on this thing and then the house democrats which is a larger number than obviously those who are in the senate a wider ranging uh, variety of people from a variety of backgrounds with a variety of opinions uh, who are farther to the left on some cases uh, in, in Congress. This certainly can be a, a difficult issue, and it's one that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on and see what happens going forward. But what's the fix for this? I mean, is it just uh, when can they do it again, essentially? Um, it, it looks like they're saying they're going to go right back to the drawing board, and you know we could see something in April, but we don't actually expect to see something until the next deadline, which mm. is the summer. Wow. So uh, there you have it. All right. Another thing that we want to talk to you about, Joe, is the National Desert Storm Memorial. So it's been an interesting time for memorials. The National World War I Memorial exists, but it's in Missouri. And it's not a place where people are basically uh, making a a vacation planned unless they specifically want to go see the world war one memorial whereas washington dc which is where people come to see uh the lincoln memorial the the washington monument the museums the smithsonian and everything else that's down there it's a big destination for that type of tourism so they're working on a world war one memorial what can you tell us about the desert storm memorial i mean this is a memorial that i honestly hadn't heard too much about until very recently sure so uh last year uh, a law was passed and signed um, that says that there will be a memorial established by 2021. Hmm. Uh, AMVETS has been uh, actively fundraising for this memorial for about two years now. We're uh, big supporters of this. Um, so there, there's a number of hearings. It's a very complicated process to have a memorial built. Uh, anyone can do fundraising and get an architect and design stuff, but to get the proper approvals to put it on, what's really you know a very valuable ground when we're talking about the National Mall or other places in the National Park Service. Right. So what's happening right now is there's been some conflict of where the organizers of the memorial would like to put this. I'd like it on the National Mall. Uh, they have a, a nice spot that is available over near uh, Lincoln, and that they'd like to have it there. They've had a lot of the approvals. And then the Fine, Fine Arts Advisory Group, uh -huh. Advisory Board, which has poll, um, voted against that about a week and a half ago. And, and so now National Park Service is asking for public opinion on this, not just on the location, but also on what the design looks like. Right. Uh, the design's pretty, uh, I, I think it's a, a nice-looking memorial. And um, so over on amvets.org, we've got information about it, but also if you just Google National Park Service, it's right on the front page. And they will 
they're accepting public comment here for a while. We also continue to advocate uh, here in Washington uh, on their behalf. We'd really like to see something meaningful here. We don't want to see something, uh, you know, where you can't walk to it. Yeah. Um, the the spot that the um, arts committee, advisory committee wants is right near the water. And that might sound nice. Uh, the water is nice, but one, it makes a parking in that area is just about impossible. Yeah. And the organizers see, uh, they don't think that properly reflects the, the feelings people want because there was no water yeah. <laughs> in Iraq. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Very little. I mean, yeah, you have the Tigris and the Euphrates, but uh, it, it, in most places in Iraq, yes, water is, uh, the lack of water is noticeable. So some of the... So, symbolism and the optics of it are, are something the organizers are taking into account. And I, I think that's valid. It's an issue of space when it comes to any new memorial and that world war one memorial, their way that they found around it was essentially that there's a park just off the national mall, John J Pershing park named after blackjack Pershing, the commanding general of us forces in world war one. And that is essentially going to be converted into the world war one memorial. But you know, Space is at a premium in most American cities where it's been built up for so long that now when you try to make something new, you got to take down something old. And the question is, what do you take down? And in an area where you want to keep it close to the National Mall, where everything's kind of centered in D.C., it's an issue because there's just there's no room up there or, or a very limited room where you'd have to you know, cut something from something else. It, it can be a difficult situation, but it's certainly one we'll keep an eye on. And as Joe said, you can go to the AMVETS website to find out about that. You can also find out about the other programs that AMVET, AMVETS offers, one of which we talked about recently that I believe now is actually in place and up and running, right? Yeah, our, our HEAL team, the AMVETS national HEAL team, uh, HEAL is healthcare evaluation uh, um, and legislative it's a helpline. It's also um, our team goes out to VA hospitals. We hold town halls. We visit with veterans. We visit with caregivers. Um, and but right now, if you have, if you're a veteran, or if you're a family member of a veteran, and you're eligible for VA healthcare uh, or Tricare, and you have a problem with access, or you have a question about eligibility, or you have a, a problem with the quality of care. We want you to give us a call. We have licensed practitioners on staff yeah. who are answering the phones from 8 to 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So we've got a, a big window there. Um, that's five days a week. This is not a crisis hotline. This is a help hotline. This is where we can help you connect the resources. We can break down barriers for you. Uh, the phone number, if, if I may, Eric, is 1-833-VET-HEAL, V-E-T-H-E-A-L. Um, we're also, of course, online. You can also vetheal at amvets.org or hashtag Heal American Veteran. Um, so we're out there on social media as well, and we can help connect you uh, with, with whatever you need. And we're going to be continuously collecting data and where we find problems, where people are having access problems or quality of care problems. And what we're going to be doing is working with the VA on this, giving them that direct feedback so they know where their problems are. And we're not just going to give it to VA because we want them to be accountable as well. We'll also give that to Congress. Um, you know, we're not running to the media. We're not trying to create s scandals, uh, things like that. We, we want the VA to improve. Uh, we want veterans to be able to get the best care possible. And that's really the key. And this is just another avenue for veterans to be able to reach out and find a way to find the help that they need, find the services that they need, all part of what AMVETS is doing. And they're doing a lot. And you can find out about it by visiting their website, following them on social media. Joe, what is that website once again to find out about all that AMVETS is doing? 
A-M-V-E-T-S dot O-R-G. There you go. And of course, follow them on social media. You can figure that one out, I imagine, at AmVets, at AmVets HQ. And all those, check them out. Check out uh, what they're doing, not only for their membership, but for the veteran community as a whole. Well, Joe Chinelli, United States Marine Corps veteran and executive director of AmVets, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Eric. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.